Okay, good. If I could just draw your attention back, just draw your conversations to a close. There'll be plenty of opportunity to catch up and, and, and make new connections later. It was the end of the service over tea and coffee. But over the summer, we've been looking at different um, aspects of the Bible. We've not been following a particular series, but we've just been, we just feel it's, it's nice to open up um, what we speak on, the things that God is laying on our hearts. What has God been speaking to us about? What has God been impressing on our minds and hearts and through our, our own personal reading of the Bible uh, and listening to God? And so I want to I speak on, on a passage this morning from the book of Acts, and it's Acts chapter 9. Um, this is the account of how the, the church really started, the Christian church. So those people who believe in Jesus, um, who'd actually some of them had seen Jesus, they'd seen him, they'd walked with him, they'd been taught by him, they'd seen him do miracles, they'd seen him crucified, they'd seen him buried, they'd seen him raised from the dead. Um, and they were now starting to live out what it meant to follow Jesus in this setting. So that's what the book of Acts is all about. And I'm going to be looking at a particular passage from Acts chapter 9, and just one verse, verse 31. So you may want to um, look, look that up. Um, who's ever heard of the Broom Way? Anyone heard of the Broom Way? No. Joel, I thought this might be something that would have been up your street, as it were. The Broom Way? Maybe if I said the Broom Way is a, is, a, is a footpath, a national footpath. Anyone heard of it? No. Okay, let me, let me tell you about the Broom Way. The Broom Way is probably the most deadliest pathway in Britain, okay? They reckon it's thought to have killed over 100 people. So it's situated on the Essex coast. Anyone here from Essex? And you've never heard of the Broom Way. <laughs> its route, it leaves a place called the Wakering Stairs, okay, on land, and it heads due east, straight out to sea. After several hundred yards offshore, it curls northeast and runs in the direction, that direction for around three miles. It's still offshore, and then it cuts back to make landfall at somewhere called Fisherman's Head. The starting point is fairly obvious. There's a causeway, so a strip of concrete and bricks that someone has built to, to, to go out into the sea. There's a causeway that stretches about 300 yards, and then it stops. The broomway then traverses vast sand flats and mud flats that stretch almost unsloped for miles. When the tide goes out, it goes out a very long distance, revealing piles of sand packed hard enough to support the weight of a walker. When the tide comes back in, though, it comes really fast, galloping over the sands quicker than a human can run. Disorientation is a danger, as well as this inundation of the sea, because in mist, rain, or fog, it's easy to lose direction in such self-similar terrain. It all looks the same. The sand, the sea, the air. Have you ever been on a beach where it's completely flat? It all looks the same. It's so easy to lose direction because there's no pointers. There's nothing to break up the horizon. Nor are all of the surfaces that you encounter reliable. There is mud that can trap you and quicksand 
that can swallow you. You going on this walk? I persuaded you at this moment. But in addition to all this, the final destination, a place called Foulness Island, is currently controlled by the Ministry of Defence, which purchased it during the First World War for research purposes. And they continue to conduct artillery firing tests out over the sands. Apparently, at the start of the walk, there are a number of signs warning potential walkers and indicating that the Ministry of Defence cannot be held responsible for anything that happens to you. It says this, the broomway is unmarked and very hazardous to pedestrians. It also says, do not approach or touch any object as it may explode and kill you. Great walk, isn't it? Fantastic walk. Anyone going on it? I haven't. (laughs) I've taken the warnings. (laughs) I've heeded the warnings. However, a person has done it, a guy called Robert McFarlane. He wrote about it in a book called The Old Ways. And he says, but in good weather, following the right route, it can feel nothing more than a walk on a very large beach. So it can feel wonderful. It can feel amazing. But he says, if you're following the right route. Now, all of us are being guided along a path from the moment we're born. Our parents, our culture, our friends, our society, our governments. They're all wanting us to follow a path, one that they feel is right. We all do that, don't we? But how do we know that we are on the right path? The Broom Way... There is a pathway there, it's marked. There's an Ordnance Survey map which shows the actual footpath. It is there. Oh, you've just found it. There you go. I'll go and see Raf afterwards. He's got, he's got the place. So it is marked, isn't it, on the map. There's a, there's, a, there's a footpath there. But it's so disorientating. You're not sure if you're on the right way. You're not on the right path. There are a number of markers, apparently, on this broom way, hence its name. There are some brooms that have been stuck into the sand on either side of the the track that you can walk on. So there are some markers there. But you know what? The tide comes in, doesn't it, every day? Wipes away. Twice, Twice a day it comes in and wipes away footprints and the path. So there are some of these markers on there. But printed in the large pink lettering on the Ordnance Survey map that shows this, the one in 25,000 scale, it says this. It says this about the, 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 the broom weight. It says... Public rights of way across Maplin Sands can be dangerous. Seek local guidance. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning is how do we keep on the right path? If we want to keep on the right path with God, if we want to keep on the right path following Jesus, because those of us who know and love God, we know that the right path is the one that Jesus sets out for us. If we want to keep on this track, how do we do that? How do we know we're being guided in the right way? What are we being guided by? What are, we, what are we allowing ourselves to be guided by? Because, like the Broom Way, if it follows the right route, it can be like a wonderful walk on a beach on a lovely day. But if we veer off the path, there are so many dangers and snares and troubles that can, that can lead us off track, things that can entice us away in the wrong direction. So if we are to keep on the right path, As the Ordnance Survey map says here, it says seek local guidance. Seek someone who knows the right way. Seek someone who is the right guide for us. 
And that's what I want to focus on this morning, for this, this verse in Acts chapter 9. It describes, I think, how the early church stayed on track, how it started to keep on the right track. Because it had only just started. The early church had been facing lots of challenges. Firstly, they were trying to work out how to live in the light of this new revelation of who God is and how to relate to God. You know, they were people who'd been brought up in a religious culture and family and background, but they'd met God in person. Jesus had come, and he had changed the way that the people related to God. There was no longer this whole list of regulations and rules that got you to God. It was through Jesus and Jesus alone, faith and belief in him. So how did this work out? How do we, how do we live like this? How do we work this through? They were struggling with that. They'd seen some amazing things happen. They'd seen the power of God at work in healings and miracles. It's extraordinary. But they'd also had to face the fact that people from their own culture and background, their family and friends, were now hostile towards them because of these new beliefs. They'd had this wonderful revelation, but as soon as they tried to tell their friends and family who were from this religious background, they faced hostility. They faced threats. They they were thrown out of their own houses. They faced persecution. They faced arrest. One man, Stephen, had had been stoned to death up to this point. So the early church was struggling, thinking, what's going on? We started to follow Jesus, and yet all this stuff's happening. How How do we work it out? How do, we, how do we keep going? How do we keep on the right track? <coughs> they may have been wondering, they also were facing actually internal crisis as well. They were facing difficulties because people from different cultures were coming in with their own ideas and different ways of doing things. And so they had to restructure the church. They had to restructure the way they did things because things were happening around them. And so what, what was the right way to go? What was the right thing to do? They may be wondering what their purpose and plan was now. Through all these difficulties, they'd now built, it says, got to a place of peace and stability, and they were being built up. But for the church, it didn't stop there. That wasn't the place they were meant to get to, because they were meant to then go on and multiply, as this verse says. The purpose of the church was to continue to multiply, and it did go on doing that. Let me just read this verse from Acts chapter 9. So this has all been happening up to this point, and then it says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, so it spread quite a distance by this point, had peace. So it faced lots of persecution, but they were now in a place of peace and was being built up. It was encouraging. People were going around, being encouraged by teachers, um, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it says two things which I think speak about guidance, keeping on the right path. And that it says, it says this, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. For the early church to see the purpose of multiplication, or this fruitfulness realized, they needed to be kept on the right path. And in order for them to be kept on the right path, they needed that right guide. What does a guide do? Anyone been on a guided walk? Anyone ever done a guided walk in London or anywhere else? Have been on holiday? Yeah? <laughs> what does a guide do? Directs you? Yeah? He knows where to go, doesn't he? He knows what to see. What else? What else does, does a guide do? 
Show you where the nearest toilets are very important. They hold up umbrellas. Sometimes they hold up umbrellas so that you can see them. Yeah? What else does a guide do? Keeps you from straying. Gives you information. Yeah? They're knowledgeable, aren't they, about what, what's going on? What else does a guide do? Leads the way. So he knows the route. He knows the best way to go. He knows where he's going to, isn't he? He knows the destination. Anything else a guide does? Keeps an eye on the time. Are you, are you inferring anything there, Ruth? <laughs> so you're just um, reminding me just to keep an eye on the time? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Multilingual, so they might speak different languages, yeah? So what, what does that mean then, if you think that? Yeah, and communication, doesn't it? It helps communicate, it builds relationship. Especially if you can speak someone else's language. So the guide, they just, don't just inform you, but they, they build relationship, don't they, as you go along. You get to know the guide. The guide gets to know you. Anything, sorry, someone at the back there. They answer questions. Yeah. So you might think, well, what's that down there? We needed that on the beach on the Isle of Wight. We just recently, we've been there for the whole day. Apparently there are dinosaur footprints on this one beach. And um, we went to the beach. Could we see a dinosaur footprint? We had no idea what we were looking for to start with, so that didn't help. Um, and so, and before, but there were lots of people out there, and there was this one person, this one man who was saying, this, this couple, oh, look, there you are, you can see it there. It's this rock here. We had, we'd walked past it, didn't even recognize it was a dinosaur footprint. So, yeah, so, so, so you ask some questions, oh, well, what's that? What does it look like? It's important, isn't it? What else can the guide do? Get you to the destination safely, on time, comforted. <laughs> what else might they do? Make sure no one gets lost. Yeah, they keep the group together, don't they? They keep an eye on who's with them. They know who's, who's in the group. And so they're easy to see if someone gets lost. The guide does all that. Anything else? Highlights points of interest. And also, I think, not just points of interest, but moments where you can rest, sit down, take a break. Because they know the route. They know the best places to sort of maybe see a view. Take a moment to rest. Because they know how long it's going to take, they know where they're going. They don't, they, if things seem to be pushing a bit hard, they keep an eye on people in the background, don't they? Those who may be straggling, those who are not keeping up, and say, well, let's take a break for now. Let's take a moment to rest. Let's take a bit of time for refreshment. Let's take a moment to look back. You see, that's where we've come from over there. Isn't that amazing? We've traveled all that way, doing really well. They don't they encourage as well, don't they? They bring encouragement for those that are flagging and tiring, saying, don't worry, look, the destination's just over there, okay? We've got plenty of time. We know where we're going. I know where we're going. I know where to go. But they also, I think, also know the local situation, don't they? So things change. Things can change. On the Isle of Wight where we were, there are coastal paths around the island, but they change almost every 10 years because bits of it fall into the sea. Literally just bits of the, of, the, of the cliff just fall off. And so the path which was now safe is no longer safe because half of it has literally disappeared into the ocean. So a local guide would know what's happened recently and be able to help 
So guide's important, aren't they? A local guide, someone who knows the place, knows the route. This is what a guide does, and they build the relationship as they go along. You know, you hopefully get to know a bit about them. And so this walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, how does, how does God then guide us through this? How is, how is God as our guide? What does walking in the fear of the Lord mean? I think it needs to recognize who is in charge. So with a, with a guide, with a walk and a guide, you know the guide is in charge, don't you? You can, you can not take their advice. You can wander off the path. You can choose to take a different route. But it's your responsibility, isn't it? Because they're saying, no, this is the best way. This is the safest way. This is the best way to go. This is the right way to go. So it's recognizing, I think, who is in charge. To walk with God is not like a series of democratic decisions. If you're on a guided walk, you don't all get together and think, oh, what's the best way to go? You go, no, the guide knows the best way. We're going to listen to him. We're going to follow him. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119. It's a long psalm in the, in, in the Old Testament. He says in verse 9 to 10, how can a young man or young person keep his way pure? How could he keep his way right, on the right track, the right way? He says, by guarding it according to your word. So it's by saying, God's, a God, God's word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Because he's saying, I know these will keep me on the right track. If I want to keep my life right, if I want to keep myself pure, then I need to guard it by your word. I don't want to wander off, but I want to make sure that I, 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 I fall in line with what you say, God. God has given us a guidebook, for, first of all. He's given us the guidebook. Raph just looked up the broom way on his phone. We, have that, we can have a guide, can't we? We can have a two-dimensional picture. It can have words. It can tell us where, what's the right way to go, where the, where the right things are. Because <coughs> the Bible shows us who God is, and more importantly, what he's like. We need to learn to trust him. Walking in the fear of the Lord really is not about a tremulous, oh, is, is, God, is God, am I all right today? But it's walking in the knowledge of who God is. It's knowing who God is, knowing what he's like. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And the Bible helps us in that. And the Bible actually tells us he's not just given the words, he's not just given his book, but he's actually given us his very presence in Jesus. The Bible says Jesus came to reveal God to us in himself. If you want to know what God is like, look to what Jesus is like. Look to what Jesus says, look to what Jesus does. He's a guide to show us who God is, to show us how God acts, that he's gentle, he's merciful. He's righteous, he deals with sin, he punishes it through death, but he's merciful and kind enough and gracious enough to take that punishment on himself so that we can go free from that. That's what the Bible tells us about Jesus. And he points to the Father. He points to God. It says in the, all through the Gospels, Jesus is saying, look to the Father. If you want to know what the Father's like, look at me, he says. So he's a guide to knowing who God is. He's a guide to, to pointing to who God is. And Jesus is our perfect guide to where God is, to where God wants us to lead us to. Firstly, because he is God. He's been sent from God. He's, he comes from the very place God wants us to be in his presence. Jesus was there. He came to earth to lead us back to, into God's presence. So he's been there. He knows where it is. He knows what it's like. 
And secondly, as, as a human person, he has pioneered the way back to the place he was sent from. He has gone ahead of us, the Bible says. He says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a room for you in my father's house. He's navigated the perfect life for us that leads to God. He's gone ahead on that, that broomway. Someone had to go on that path initially to map it out, to know where the right way. Jesus has gone through death. He's gone ahead of us through death to the place where God wants us to be in a relationship with him. He's made that way possible. He's shown us that it's through his death that we come to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the perfect guy because he's gone ahead. He knows the route, and it's through his death. To know God, we need to know Jesus. He faced temptation in every kind, didn't he? And resisted them for us on our behalf. So Jesus is Lord. When we say walking in the fear of the Lord, it's knowing who Jesus is. He knows what's best. To keep to the right path, we need to know and recognize Jesus as Lord. Say, I submit to who you are. I submit to what you say to me. Help me to learn from you. And then there's walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So it's important we know God, know the guide, know where he's come from. But as I said, Jesus has gone ahead of us, hasn't he? As Jesus has died, it says he's raised. The Bible says that he's now with his Father in heaven. So he's no longer here. But Jesus says this in John chapter 16. He said in verses 7 to 15, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I go. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is talking about the Spirit. And Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. This is him talking to his disciples that have been with him after his resurrection. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. Does that sound a bit like a guide? Jesus, the perfect guide, is giving us his very presence again in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. The Holy Spirit will only speak what Jesus knows and does and has done. The Holy Spirit will show us all that Jesus has said, all that Jesus has promised. He will remind us of that. That's a comfort, isn't it? It's the, the Holy Spirit reminds us of all these things. The presence and the gifting of the Holy Spirit is an inspiration to read this map well, to read the guidebook Guy, because it's a, a two-dimensional thing, isn't it? And I, don't know, I don't know if any of you are good at reading maps. Some people are good at reading maps. Some people are hopeless at reading maps. Um, but it doesn't tell you steps. It doesn't tell you where the twig is that you can fall over, does it? It doesn't often, unless you really read, can read maps well, it doesn't tell you how steep the path is, how stark the gradient is. Um, I believe there are little lines. The closer the lines are together, the steeper it is. That's my knowledge of, of map reading. Um, but... It's, it's two-dimensional. It can say it's steep, but it says, actually, I need crampons and at least six people to lift me up there. The map doesn't tell you that. Um, 
So we've got the guidebook, but the Holy Spirit brings it to life. The Holy Spirit reveals what the truth is in there. Because let's be fair, the Bible is hard to read sometimes, isn't it? It is hard to read. There are difficult passages. Sometimes the language is difficult because it's describing a different time and a different era, a different culture that we're not familiar with. So it is hard. But the Holy Spirit, it says, is our inspiration, is the guide to help us understand the Bible. If we ask Holy Spirit to say, help me understand this, the Holy Spirit will come. He will, he will lead us into the truth because he reveals only what Jesus has said about it. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want the truth about this so we can ask the Holy Spirit. <coughs> it, says, it says in that passage in John about that he will tell us what's to come. The Holy Spirit will show us where our destination is, what is going to happen. Now, that's not necessarily predicting every aspect of your life. It's not like some sort of fortune teller that you go to and say, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? Um, but it's talking about knowing where our final destination lies, that it lies in heaven with an eternal life, a life free from pain and sin and death and struggle. The Holy Spirit reveals that to us. It's only through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we can know that. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful guide. Reveals the root, as I say, brings this map to life. Understanding how the Bible points to Jesus. How the Bible points to the fact that Jesus has taken away sin if we follow and believe in him. I love it. For example, the Bible, the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer life. So we've got the, reading the Bible is important. Isn't it? And the Holy Spirit brings that to life. But the Holy Spirit also brings our prayer life to life. In Romans 8, chapter 26 and 27, it says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Who here is weak in prayer? I am. I struggle. Sometimes I'm, yes, I'm up for praying. Others, I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm weak in prayer. But you know what? The Spirit helps me in my weakness. We do not, 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 we do not know what we ought to pray, it says. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It helps us in our prayer life. When we don't know how to pray, when we're weak in prayer, the Holy Spirit can help us, lead us and guide us. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, I think, builds faith as he guides us. The Holy Spirit builds faith. We get to know Jesus through this guide. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks of God. He speaks to us of the truth of God. He speaks to us of the truth of, the, of, of Jesus. He shows us that, that the Bible makes it come to life. He's a wonderful guide. But the interesting thing is, is the Bible says the Holy Spirit is in the church. The Holy Spirit is in those who love and know and follow Jesus. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in us individually, but it's through the Holy Spirit. Remember that path I talked about, it says, the, the um, Ordnance Survey map says, seek local guidance. If you're wanting to know what God is like, it's good to ask someone else, someone who knows Jesus, someone who knows and has been through that, the journey so far. They're not reached the final destination yet. Jesus is the only one who's got there, and he's still guiding us. But there are others who are on the path Others who've come to know Jesus, they're further down the path. They maybe have made mistakes and wandered off the path. 
And Jesus has very gently brought them back in. They know some of the errors because they've, they've committed them already. They know where the stumbling bits are. They know where the hard bits are. We know that. Those, those, the, the, God has given his presence to the church. The walk with God is never meant to be an individual journey. It's always been a collective journey. In the Old Testament, as God led people out of slavery in Egypt to the new land that God had promised, he guided all the people by a pillar of cloud and fire. And the people, it says, moved together when the pillar moved. It's never just a few individuals, the priests, and said, you're the ones who are worthy, you come ahead. It was everybody together as God guided them. And the Bible tells us the gifts are given to the church for the encouragement and building up of the church. We should never forget or diminish our own role as guides to others. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've taught you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. We are guides along this path as well, because we have the Holy Spirit, because we've known Jesus. We've, we've spent time reading the Bible. We're being comforted by the Holy Spirit when we face difficulties. We've known the peace of God when there's been real challenges in our lives. We've known those things so we can be guides to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to 21 says this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, you're walking in the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we're acting as guides. The church, God has given his presence to those who believe and follow him. To keep us on the right track with the mission of God, said the church multiplied. The early church Walking in the fear of the God, fear of the Lord, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, being guided, being guided by what God says, being guided by his very presence. It says it multiplied. It knew its purpose, and it went on its purpose, growing in understanding of God, following God step by step. As it did so, it says, you persuade others. Come and join us on this walkway. Come and join us. You, can, you, you, need, to, you need to start at the beginning, and we can show you where the beginning is. Beginning is through Jesus' death, his resurrection, his work on the cross. That's where you start this walk. That's the, that's the starting place. And we know that actually when you, when you start, it, it can get a bit confusing. There's lots of things there, but we'll, hey, we can help you keep on the right path. Through the Bible, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through being encouraged by one another. We can show you this destination. So we should never diminish our role, your role as an individual with your friends and your families and neighbors as a guide to knowing God through Jesus. God commissions us. Jesus himself commissions us to do that. I think as a church, we're entering that phase of change. Change is happening internally in the structure of the church. And staff moving on and things changing and shifting. Things happening. It's, but it's not a time to sit back and think, oh, goodness, no, what's going on? It's a time to think, no, I want to press into God more. 
I'm going to be walking in the Holy Spirit because I think God is going to multiply what we've been doing here as a church. He's going to bring new people in who we can guide and help along the way, who are then going to guide and help people along the way. That's what multiplication is about. Not just about adding individuals to a church. The church's mission is to multiply, to not just add one by one, it's to multiply. And that comes through each and every one of us walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, seeking help, asking for help. Are you asking for help? Are you asking for help? I'm going to add the bands come up. Are you asking for help in reading the Bible? Do you need help in understanding it? Ask. <laughs> ask the Holy Spirit, but ask others. It's great. We have these midweek groups which meet during the week. That's where we get, small together, get together in smaller groups where we can encourage one another, help one another, ask those important questions. How do I do this? How do I navigate this relationship? Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right way to go? What about my work? What about my job? What about my education? What's the right thing to do? Can you help me in this? Ask for help. And then when you get guidance, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. If you walk along that broom way, you are seeking a local guide, and he says, don't go out in the mist and the rain, because you will be completely disorientated. The one thing you don't do, really, is it, is to go out in the mist and the rain. <laughs> um, I mean, you could do, but you could get completely lost. You get overtaken by the sea that comes in quicker than a human can run. That's quite scary. But let's take the advice, listen to it, put it into practice. And I think as we walk in the fear of the Lord, as we walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, seeking the gifts, seeking his wisdom, we will start to see amazing things happen. We will continue to multiply. That's what we're built up for, isn't it? I love the words of John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace. You may know that. He says this, he says, Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Yeah, he's, he's walked a path where there's challenges and difficulties on, on, on all sides. He says, I've known this. I've, I've many dangers, many difficulties, many possibilities to be taken off track, to be caught up. I said, but I've already come through those. And what's brought him through, he says? He says, tis grace. The love of God through Jesus. Tis grace, he says, that's brought me safe thus far. Knowing Jesus, being guided by Jesus, trusting in Jesus as the guide for my life has brought me through these things. And then he says, and grace will lead me home. Grace will lead me to the place that I'm meant to be. The place of eternal life with God. What a great word, what great words those are, isn't it? That's, ex that's a, a true expression of someone who's known the leading and guiding of God, the truth of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life that's caused his life to turn around. And he knows it's through the grace of God that's brought him there so far. And he's trusting the grace of God will lead him home. What a great place to be.
first song and we continue God will speak to us you maybe have things that you feel God wants to say as well please come and see myself or Susie and provide opportunity for you to share that this morning but let's continue just to worship God